G'day everybody, welcome to another episode of This Week in Crypto. I'm your host Craig Cobb from TraderCobb.com and I hope you're well. We're going to kick things off with what does appear to be something that's going to be rolling on for quite some time in the form of Elon Musk's bid for buying out Twitter. Of course, that has been in the news for quite some time now and coming into this week, we come to an end of the week, I should say, having more news about this. This time, Musk talking of raising capital to take out Twitter. And he's being advised by JP Morgan on the matter. Now, a couple of different, uh, I guess, add-ons to this story. Of course, we know that he did offer $43 billion, and he did say, this is my last price. This is the one price and the only price. He's also then gone ahead and talked about working with Apollo Capital, which is a, a hedge for a fund, a firm, sorry, uh, in the, I think it's in Canada, to help to put together this bid and to finance this bid for Twitter. Is he going to go higher in price? I don't actually know. I don't think anyone does right now unless they are in on that circle. One of the things that uh, we have seen, however, is that uh, Elon Musk did come out and say that he could effectively buy out Twitter on his own without any capital. It since looks like he's just re-decided to look at a funding option as he would need to sell down a number of his Tesla stock as that is where most of his $260 billion is living right now. That could cause all sorts of problems for the Tesla stock and he decided at this stage to not do that. Now what he's also done is he's come down uh, pretty, uh, I guess pretty hard on the board. I'll read from the article here in CBS News. Musk has now turned to criticizing Twitter's board, saying that if he were sorry, if he were in charge, he would save three million a year by slashing board members' salaries to zero. He also pointed out that the board members collectively own just a tiny financial stake in Twitter, showing that their economic interests are simply not aligned with shareholders. That's a quite an interesting take. For one, three million dollars in a company which you're looking to buy for forty-three billion is really an insignificant number. Uh, what is the motive behind him saying these sorts of things? Is it to ruffle feathers of the board? Is it because if he did get involved with Twitter, he would want the board to be more financially involved in ownership of Twitter? I'm not quite sure, but it certainly does look like Mr. Musk is playing games or some form of strategy, as there really is no need to go ahead and start to criticize the way it's being run when you don't own the business. But either way, that is what he is going up and doing. Now, uh, there's a lot of talk about uh, the share price. And if we go down and, and just, you know, have a chat about um, uh, some of the people that are sort of pushing back on it, uh, we've got, um, what is it? One of the sheiks, there it is. I'll, I'll read from the article, make it easier for you and me. Although Musk has said his initial offer is final, Musk may have to raise the bid to satisfy other shareholders. A Saudi prince who was among Twitter's major shareholders scoffed at the offer last week in a tweet. Al-Walid bin Talal said he didn't believe $43 billion is close to Twitter's value given its growth prospects. Twitter shares hit an all-time high of $77.60 in March 2021, and on Tuesday shares traded at about $45. So it's very clear that the board and the, hot, the, lot, the major shareholders of Twitter are not interested in this particular bid at this stage. Will it continue, or is Mr. Musk still working on his own platform potentially down the track? He has massive power massive pulling power and uh, a massive budget that he can work with. So stay tuned. This will continue to evolve, I'm sure, in the coming weeks. Over now to Cointelegraph, where we talk about Goldman Sachs and FTX. The headline reads, Goldman Sachs reportedly eyes FTX alliance with regulator, with regulator and public listing assistance. A reported discussion between the two CEOs of the company happened in March last month. March last month. 
or it could just be March, which is last month. <laughs> a time when FTX requested CFTC to eliminate the role of brokers in product offerings. Now, this is a big step because Goldman Sachs for a long time was really poo-pooing cryptocurrency and digital assets. Since then, they have now started to move into the space. And a number of Goldman um, ex-Goldman people and current Goldman people have said that they more or less got it wrong with Bitcoin because you cannot, or crypto I should say, you cannot underestimate a $2 trillion market. Now, of course, one of the things that we must be aware of is that with Goldman Sachs, if you recall during the GSC, I was trading back then, they had uh, a, a title called the Vampire Squid. Why was Goldman Sachs called the Vampire Squid? Because they attack everything and just chew it all up and spit it all out, just like the very aggressive squid, the Sorry, just like the very, very aggressive squid of the ocean. So it's very difficult to see. Well, not diff I shouldn't say it's difficult to see. It's a bit of a concern and something I would suggest for Sam to be very aware of. He's a young man. I'm sure he's very experienced. He has a business worth $32 billion. Hopefully they go in the right direction. What this also does is it brings us more recognition for our space, for the digital asset space in general. Goldman Sachs being one of the most widely known and respected firms in banking globally, now partnering, or, or sorry, talking with and being involved with FTX, a business that has only been around for, I believe, four years. Now, FTX has racked up a valuation of $32 billion after three funding rounds ranging in hundreds of millions of dollars. The last funding round came towards the end of January when the crypto firm closed a 400 million funding round, which is also the smallest of the three funding rounds. So it's quite interesting. They can see the value in FTX. Do they want to buy some? Do they want to run it? What is going to go from, sorry, what is going to come from this meeting? I think we'll see it right out over the next few weeks and possibly months because these things can take time. It does look like around the regulatory side is what FTX would like to see from Goldman Sachs. And Goldman Sachs has a lot of swing in the Senate in the US with a lot of lobbyists and a lot of ex-Goldmans in there in and amongst that uh, that mix. Well, there was in the past. Anyway, I assume there's probably still people there. So interesting development there with FTX and Goldman Sachs. Now, Secret Service seizes more than 102 million in crypto assets as of the CNBC website. This is interesting. We see this happening all the time. Now, one of the things that I did find interesting within this is that they're talking about $102 million that has been sort of, I guess, laundered, stolen, whatever you want to call it, uh, but over a seven-year period. Seven years, $102 million? Sure, if anyone loses, has lost any money through scammers or whatnot, it's a very bad thing. It's devastating. But it's not a great deal of money when you actually break, break things down. We've got a $2 trillion market cap, $102 million over seven years in this particular investigation doesn't seem like a great deal. However, one of the things that this article is pointing out is the true power and worth of the blockchain. And I read, when you follow a digital currency wallet, it's not different Sorry, it's not different than an email address. That are some correlating identifiers, Smith said in an interview at the agency's headquarters. And once a person and another person make a transaction and that gets onto the blockchain, we have the ability to follow that email address or wallet address, if you will, and trace it through the blockchain. So I've spoken about this before when we still get people saying that Bitcoin and cryptocurrency is for money launderers and thieves and crooks and all that sort of stuff. I believe that that, that topic of conversation has somewhat diminished significantly, but it is still out there. When we, when we want to you know, launder money or hand cash over, 
I hand a suitcase full of cash to one person. They walk away. There is no traceability of that. The cash is wherever that cash is. There's no link to anything else. The blockchain gets around that by us knowing where every single penny goes. And then if they've got it a lot, they just need to reverse engineer that to work out who owns those wallet addresses. Yeah, there's obviously some areas there of anonymity that can go on, but it's a much more transparent process than cash itself. Now from 2015, this $102 million was across 254 cases that they looked into. Now of course, cybercrime is becoming a big threat globally and we are seeing governments investing large amounts of money into it. It typically tends to be on the more global big scale where their concerns are, but it is also the everyday person that is falling for these types of issues. And I'll show you a couple of things on how to avoid this in just a moment. So on to the next one, we call, we've got Bitcoin tribalism is holding the crypto, C, sorry, the crypto industry back, Ripple CEO says. This is a CNBC article for which we talk about the, uh, the, the Bitcoin maxis. Okay? Uh, the CEO of Ripple, Brad Garlinghouse, has said that it's really knocking back the industry in a, as a whole. Now, I don't know if I fully, un, if I fully agree with that in its entirety, but I will say this. I have found that some of the most negative and nice nasty uh, people that I've come across in crypto have been maxis. That's not to say that they are all that way inclined. They just seem to be very vocal. And I can't imagine it'd be too good for someone's mental health to always be trying to convince everyone else that they're being scammed, that they are a scammer or all this sort of stuff. It just seems like an awful lot of negativity around just one singular opinion. The other thing that I want people to understand is that for myself, the way that I've come into crypto and the way I do things is based on my own experience. It's also based on my objectives of what I want to achieve from being involved in the space. I want to enrich my family's life by making money through investing and trading. I also want to teach people and help them to avoid being you know, scammed or losing their money and give them the best education they possibly can. And I want to make sure that I feel good about what I'm doing so that I can give to more people and help more people out at the same time. This has nothing to do with me being you know, a Bitcoin maxi because I'm not. What it has, does have to do is that for me as an investor, my objective is to find good projects that I would like to invest in. Those investments then, I hopefully will make money on, therefore enriching my family's life and the future. So that's what I really look to do. If you're a Bitcoin maxi, then you've missed out on the on Ethereum, Solana, Cardano, AVAX, you know, Axie, all these massive projects that have done humongous returns. Now, if you are in cryptocurrency just for the sole purpose of owning Bitcoin, then that's a different story. As long as it's fitting what you want, then that is absolutely fine. Just think about what it is that you want and is being a maxi holding you back. Also, on top of all that, if you're a maxi, that's fine. You don't have to shout at everybody else for those that are. So what he's basically saying is that this tribalism, and I'll read this, tribalism around Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies is holding back the entire $2 trillion market cap, according to the boss of blockchain, sorry, yeah, blockchain firm Ripple. Polarization isn't healthy in my judgment, Ripple CEO Brad Garlinghouse said in a CNBC-hosted fireside chat in Paris Blockchain Week Summit last week. I own Bitcoin, I own Ether, I own some others. I'm an absolute believer that this industry is going to continue to thrive. He completes the, the passage by saying all boats can rise. And that's where I sort of stand on this. 
It doesn't matter how you invest, it's up to you to do that. What we do at TraderCobb is to try and provide you with content on the trading side of things so that you can be the best trader you can be and more informed on your decision-making process around taking trades. The same should go for when you're in crypto and when you're looking at investments. It's important to understand that there are opportunities out there and there are being millionaires made every single day in this space. Do you want to just hold onto Bitcoin or do you want to see if you can use those other opportunities elsewhere in the market to then grow your Bitcoin holdings? The choice is yours, but please be nice. And finally, uh, on to Coindesk. How to spot crypto pump and dump schemes. Whew. Now this topic here for me is a, it's a big one. Uh, I, I, I despise these sorts of uh, pump and dump groups. And typically what happens is a bunch of people get together with a plan and away they go, they pump the price. And the people that put it together tend to make money because they sell at a lot higher price than when they bought in. The people that bought in and made that price go up tend to lose big time. Now, I certainly could have made a lot more money if I had have joined some of these groups, which I was offered. I said no to every single one of them because for me, it's not about taking money off someone else. It's about making your money yourself. And whilst many people will say that trading is a zero-sum game, they're incorrect. Just because somebody makes money doesn't mean somebody loses money. For example, if I buy a banana at $5 and then I go and sell it on at $10, I've made $5. The banana has been purchased at $10 by the chap who thinks that the value of that banana is going to go to $15. If it does go to $15, great. But he makes that decision on that transaction. It is not a zero-sum game in the sense that someone always loses if somebody wins. So I prefer to work in an environment where I can enrich myself at the same time as not ripping people off blatantly. And that's what pump and, pump and dump schemes do. Now, some of these schemes include uh, a lot of, as I said, it always includes a community. It includes an influencer with their big community, typically. They get in, they talk about this coin, hype it up, hype it up, hype it up, send the price going up. What then happens is often these algorithms uh, will jump in, into play and they'll follow the momentum and the volume going into certain markets, then they'll join, sending the price moving even higher. This is a plan that you might seem, well, that seems reasonable. It's a pretty good idea, actually. The problem that you've got is you don't know when this scheme started and if you are one of the last people to get in on that while everyone else is selling it, you've bought high and it's going to drop back down. That's where people are losing their money. So what do we look out for? How can we avoid being stuck in these pump and dump schemes? Well, the first thing typically goes by if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Take your time to learn about teams, markets, uh, learn about understanding what the product is, the utility of the token, what they're trying to set out to achieve. This is called investing, not trying to get rich really, really, really quick. Now, what we've also seen uh, in some of these areas is that they'll go in there, they'll create the token, they'll say they're going to put liquidity into it, they don't, and then the thing just fizzles out. That's another one to be aware of, to be very, very careful of. You've got to make sure you've got trusted, reputable people that you are investing in. Very, very important. Right, so one of the things here says keep an open mind. Um, some people have, you know, we talk about Dogecoin. Dogecoin used to be one of these pump and dump. You know, we just shoot up. Now it's holding its value and it's still in the top 10, I think, a year after it first cracked it. Uh, I'm going to read from this article here. If I was out there saying, buy my token, take it to the moon, I would be in trouble. And I've been advised by attorneys not to say these things, Carlton said. Regulations are greyish enough around crypto that nothing happened to Musk, and this is about Dogecoin and whatnot. And a lot of those who bought Doge at a penny made money, but there were plenty of those who bought at 60 cents or 70 cents. And some of these people were our aunts and uncles and brothers and sisters, and they ended up losing a lot of money. Now, of course, that's not necessarily just talking about Doge the coin itself, but in general, 
That's what happens when people get behind things. They're looking for the, the latest get-rich-quick scheme to make money instantly. They'll forget about it tomorrow, and more often than not, you will get burnt. Chasing pump and dumps is a lazy way to, at a get-rich-quick scheme that is not likely going to work for you. Unless you are inside of the, the, the beginnings uh, and the people that are involved in it, which there are a lot of people doing it and making an awful lot of money, then you're probably not going to come out doing too well. So once again, we bring you the news for the week. We also bring you an understanding of how you can better your, under, your knowledge and not get yourself scammed or ripped off in the market. Of course, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. I hope you're having a fantastic week. If you'd like to know more about what we do here at TraderCobb, please click the description in the link below. They're all full of links and how you can get access to our free Become a Trader trading course, as well as discounted trading fees for your trading. I hope you have a fantastic weekend. Bye for now.